The Arizona Dimebacks are headed back to the NLCS for the first time since 2007 after sweeping the LA Dodgers three games to nothing. So let's all say it together. Bye-bye, LA. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I've been hosting this podcast since 2020, and for the first time, I've seen the D-backs in the postseason, and now they're headed to the NLCS. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. And please hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and, you, and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now we're going to be talking about how the D-backs swept the Dodgers breaking down game three. But first, I just want to pontificate a little bit about the D-back series this season and how we got here because I don't know if you guys can tell, but I can barely talk right now because with every D-backs home run that was hit tonight, I was screaming at my TV and I think my voice is a little bit gone because how could you not? The D-backs swept the LA Dodgers, their biggest rival arguably in Major League Baseball, at least in my eyes. They're the D-backs biggest rival and the D-backs swept the Dodgers three games to nothing. And we have to be honest with ourselves. If the D-backs swept the Phillies, right, who they should have played in the NLDS, or if they swept the Braves this, you know, in the NLDS, name any X team. If they swept that team in the NLDS, it would be sweet. It would still be nice to see the D-backs go to the Championship League Series, but seeing the D-backs do it against the LA Dodgers just make it that much sweeter. It's not just the fact that the D-backs dominated, dusted the LA Dodgers, this Dodgers team also just choked down this series, or you could say it was a major upset, whatever language you want to use, because this Dodgers team had 16 more wins than the Arizona Diamondbacks, if you can believe that. And I think you can believe that, because in each of the last three postseasons, the Dodgers have lost to a team that have had at least 15 less wins than the Dodgers. Only three other teams in MLB history have done that. So it's not too much of a surprise to see the Dodgers not just choke in the postseason, but also in the divisional series. The D-backs typically get little broed by the LA Dodgers, but not this time around. This time, the D-backs were the bullies to LA. Last time we faced the Dodgers, what happened, right? It was not a pretty series. Back in, so, back in 2017, the Dodgers were definitely the dominant power in that series. The D-backs got swept 3-0, and it was basically the same story, but in reverse. It was the Dodgers in L.A. 
who went up 2-0 against the D-backs. They scored 17 runs, just dominated the D-backs from an offensive standpoint in those first two games. They went back to Arizona. The D-backs offense didn't show up. They lost game three, and they eventually got swept to the LA Dodgers, but not this time around. Now, the D-backs just swept the LA Dodgers without ever surrendering a lead this series. Can you believe that? Not one time against the LA Dodgers did the, did the Dodgers ever go up a run. Not one time against the Dodgers did the Dodgers ever come back in a postseason game. This D-backs team has only made the playoffs five times since winning the World Series. It's not like this is a battle-tested playoff team. It's not like this is a team with a whole lot of experience and warts. This is an inexperienced Diamondbacks team, and what they just did against the D-backs was, or excuse me, what they just did against the Dodgers was incredible. This was probably the biggest D-backs game since maybe closeout game three in the NLDS in 2007 to send the D-backs to the NLCS, game three in the NLDS in 2017 to send the D-backs to the NLCS. Don't want to get the letters there confused. Uh, so this was probably the biggest game that we saw since 2007. Or you could say maybe since the closeout game in the 2001 World Series. Like this year was just supposed to be the first step toward bigger progress, right? We weren't even really concerned with making the playoffs. I said all along, just get to at least 80 wins be a 500 team, and just play meaningful games in September. You don't even have to make the playoffs. This was a team that just two seasons ago won only 52 games, and on the last day of the regular season, they walked it off to lose the number one pick and drop down to number two in the draft, shooting themselves in the foot. Thankfully, we still got, I believe, Jordan Lawler out of it, but the number one pick would have been nice. Remember all those Mad Bum starts and the Oliver Perez appearances, the Joaquin Soria appearances, all that we've endured the last few seasons, all of it has been worth it because little did we know at that time, we were not that far away from seeing the light. Entering this season, I do believe this D-backs front office and managerial staff had a different philosophy when approaching this team. I believe this season, they did attack this season with some sense of urgency. Maybe they weren't going all in, but they did want to at least try and win games this season. And I think a lot of the moves that they made this season illustrate that. They cut the Madison Bumgarner at the beginning of the season. They sent their outfielders up and down throughout the year with the Jake McCarthy's and the Alec Thomas of the world and the Dominic Fletcher's. Same with their young pitchers with the Ryan Nelsons and the Dre Jamison's. They cut one of the longest tenured Arizona Diamondbacks, and a Nick Ahmed. They traded for veterans like Tommy Pham and the Paul Seawalds to help them during the playoff postseason run. Like All that illustrates how this D-backs team actually entered this season with a sense of urgency. And this team has a lot of young talent on it already. And the best thing about that young talent, they haven't been afraid of the moment, and they've exceeded all expectations, Gabriel Moreno, Corbin Carroll, both of them have been fantastic all postseason. Brandon fought when we thought he might struggle. Like I said, I thought this game three against the Dodgers was going to be a slugfest because of the two pitchers that were going to be on the mound in this game. Brandon fought 
was excellent against the LA Dodgers. This D-backs team has a nice mix of both veterans and youngsters that has made an excellent recipe for success. The lack of experience hasn't slowed this down, hasn't slowed this team down at all, and they've been able to take the lumps along the way and to have made the postseason a learning experience, which is not something you typically see. If you've actually asked an alien who never watched baseball which playoff team from start to finish has looked the most seasoned, who has looked the most ready for the postseason, who looks like they're the most experienced in a postseason setting, the answer might be the Arizona Dimebacks, which is just insane to think about. I believe this win shows the D-backs are truly emerging as a team to be reckoned with in the National League going forward. I know it's hard to build a sustainable winner like the Astros, like what the LA Dodgers are doing, but when you have young players like Corbin Carroll locked up on beautiful long-term deals, it's going to help out a lot. D-backs need to make more smart long-term investments like those guys. You got the Morenos. You got um, other youngsters. Of course, Zach Gallon is going to be coming up soon. So like, lock all those guys up. The core there you have, lock those guys up if you believe in them. And now, after that series sweep against the LA Dodgers, the D-backs now have to await whoever comes out of the Phillies Braves series. That's going to be super tough. Both of those teams are incredibly tough. I mean, the Braves won a World Series just a couple years ago. The Phillies are the reigning NL champs. But with how the D-backs have played so far this postseason, they are the foe not to be messed with. Now I want to talk about and just break down game three in particular, right? Actually get into the nit and gritty of game three against the LA Dodgers, the game that sent the D-backs to the NLCS. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Sleeper because the MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance for 100 times cash on your daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Betts, and Otani. Pick more or less stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for our up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you can win big. Best believe you better be smashing those Corbin Carroll stats in this postseason. So use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Go to sleeper.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now I actually want to break down game three, talk about it, because this was the game that sent the D back to the NLCS. And like I said in my first soliloquy, this might have been the biggest D backs game since like 2007. And it did look like the D backs had a nice home crowd there. Of course, 
The Hodges fans are always going to are always going to travel, and it also hurts that there's a lot of LA transplants. Also, excuse me, in Arizona, I mean, in my own office, there's a decent amount of Dodgers fans. I know a few of them went to the game tonight. Like they went to the game. Unfortunately, I didn't even make it to the game, but that's because I just needed to be in the comfort of my own home. I I'm going to be an emotional wreck when I watch postseason games. Like I am an emotional roller coaster. I live on the edge, and so like. Every inning, anytime a Dodgers player gets a hit, I just feel like the world is going to end. I feel like the game is going to be over. I feel like the Dodgers are going to have one swing of the bat and come back. And then with every D-backs hit, I'm like, oh my God, the D-backs are winning the World Series. Get the champagne popping already. And then you look up, it's only the end of the first inning. So that's why it's, you know, I should have went to the game three, probably in person. But also, I don't mind watching these games at home by myself because I am just an emotional wreck and... I was an emotional wreck throughout game three against the L.A. Dodgers because, like I said, my voice is like gone right now. I am powering through this podcast. I was screaming so much throughout this game. Well, maybe not throughout this game, definitely the end of the game and definitely the third inning because the third inning was probably the inning I screamed more than any other inning this postseason, this regular season, maybe all time in Major League Baseball history. I don't know if there's been an inning that had me screaming more because there's been specific plays in innings that made me scream. Of course, guys, I grew up a, a Red Sox fan, right? So watching David Ortiz back in like the 2013 ALCS hit that grand slam off Joaquin Benoit against the Detroit Tigers, I was screaming at the top of my lung. But that was for one individual play. This was like a 20-minute inning where I was just screaming like every five minutes because something crazy was going on. And that something crazy was a home run because the D-backs had four home runs off Lance Lynn in the third inning. The most home runs in a single inning in postseason history. You had Walker. You had Perdomo. You had Marte. And you also had Moreno all go yard in that one. And the craziest part was that Moreno home run. Because first, you had Perdomo go up there, and he just smashed a home run. And it was crazy It was crazy that he did it because offensively, he hasn't really done too much from like a production standpoint. I always say I love the at-bats Perdomo's getting. I think he's a great measuring stick for how this entire D-backs offense is going to see pitches. I just really trust Perdomo's eye. But from a production standpoint, he hasn't been able to do a ton. And seeing him get that home run tonight, huge. Then you had Christian, or excuse me, you had Ketel Marte hit the home run after him. I mean, that was absolutely smashed off his bat. 107.9 miles per hour, 428 feet. Christian Walker hits a home run right after that. 112.9 miles per hour, 395 feet. And then the craziest one by far, the one that had me going absolutely bananas, Gabriel Moreno. He hits the fourth home run of the inning. But wait, on further review, it's actually a half foot to the right of the foul pole. We go and review it. We come back and we say, you were just this close, buddy, inches away from the fourth home run of the inning. Let's get back into the batter's box and let's start swinging again. Very next pitch, cranked Gabriel Moreno, second hardest exit velocity in this game, 108.9 miles per hour, 420 feet. Just magical stuff, honestly. Like, <laughs> how many guys almost hit the home run, you do the review, and then hit the home run the very next pitch? Like, you never see that. And 
Lance Lynn was someone that gave up 44 home runs in the regular season. You could see why with his one postseason start. But the countermeasure for, or the counterpart that Lance Lynn was going against, Brandon Fott, I mean, he he's kind of made of the same mold with how he pitched this season, right? Both of those guys are really fastball heavy, fastball dependent, but like to give up the home run. Brandon Fott, I was super nervous heading to this game. Like I said, I thought this was going to be a slugfest because Lance Lynn did his job. He gave up home runs, but I thought Brandon Fott was also going to give up a lot of home runs in this one. And for once, Brandon Fott didn't give up really anything. I think this was actually the best start of Brandon Fott's career. And I think it I think there are so many variables that actually make it even tougher. The pressure that Brandon Fott was feeling because first, you struggled in game one um of the postseason. So right now when you look at what the D back starters and bullpen has done, like Brandon Fott, you have looked like the biggest weakness so far from this pitching staff. So that's number one. That's the number one variable to add pressure to yourself. Number two, you're going against the LA Dodgers. You're going against the big brothers, the bullies, right? The cream of the crop in the NL West. That makes it tough. And then number three, I definitely had a number three. I think I lost it off the you know, off the top of my head. But Brandon Fott, this was not going to be easy for him. Oh, number three, you knew you were going to get pulled early in this one if you were not able to. Uh, you knew you were going to get pulled early in this one at the first sign of trouble. You know you had to pitch perfect. If you started to if you started to walk guys in that first inning, you know Tori Lovello was not going to give you a leash. So when you look at those three variables, that made it so tough for Brandon Fott to pitch this game without feeling any pressure on himself. And this was the most cool, calm, collected Brandon Fott I've seen. I thought he just did a really good job of staying away from opposing batters. He only gave up two hits. Like I thought he really just did a really good job of living on the edges and going away from these batters and just just playing really uh, high IQ baseball and executing at a high level. And Brandon Fott, I mean, I agree with the decision that Toy Lovello did to pull him out when he did give up that double to Will Smith. I think we all knew that was going to happen. But also with the way Brandon Fott looked, I wouldn't have been mad if Toy Lovello kept him, uh, kept him in a little bit longer. Betson Freeman, once again, choke job, did nothing at the top of the lineup for the Dodgers. Betts, 0 for 4, one strikeout. Freddie Freeman, 0 for 4, one strikeout. Why do you pay those star players? Bullpen came through again for the D-backs. Now, I will say Ryan Thompson Finally gave up an earned run. Not the best Ryan Thompson performance, of course, but the rest of the bullpen still came through. Sal Frank in the last game was the one struggling before Thompson came in and bailed him out of a jam. Today, it was Sal Frank that went out and bailed Thompson out of a jam. So nice to see those two guys pay their respective respects to each other. That was probably too many respects in one sentence. Paul Sewald and Kevin Ginkle, again, perfect in the bullpen I mean this when was the last time the D-backs had a one two man duo a setup closer man duo that you felt this good about Ginkle and Seawall just feel automatic right now coming out of the pen I don't know the last time I felt really good about a setup man and a closer man at the same time for the Arizona Diamondbacks now the negative from this game Gabriel Moreno did leave this game with injury he got hit on a hand from he got hit on the hand from a bunt that just kind of ricocheted. And if you watch the replay, it's actually insane. Like he had a 
closed fist, the ball hits his hand. He could just like it hits him at the top of the knuckle and like forces his hand to open up. Like it's actually like a crazy replay. We go back and watch it. And Gabriel Moreno is important, man. The D-backs are going to need him to be healthy for whoever comes out the NLDS. Personally, I'm hoping it's the Phillies because then my boy comes through to Arizona and we get to celebrate my birthday at the same time. But the D-backs are going to need Moreno in the series of whoever they face, Braves or the Phillies, because Moreno, the youngest catcher in MLB history with three home runs in a single postseason, he's been looking great. This game was straight up dominated from a pitching perspective by the Arizona by the Arizona Diamondbacks. They never let the Dodgers really get any opportunities outside of Ryan Thompson and that one struggle inning. The Dodgers were two for five with runners in scoring position for the most part. D-backs pitchers moved quick and they were super efficient in this game. I thought the Dodgers were going to wake up in this game, like I kept saying, because of Brandon Fott and if they didn't wake up this game, like, when were they literally ever going to wake up? Like, their back was against the wall, and the Dodgers' bats decided to stay asleep. I also think Tori, I also think Tori Lovello had himself a really strong game with how he used the bullpen and a really strong series overall. I do wish the D-backs offense was able to get some insurance runs because, like I said, I ride the emotional roller coaster, so I was just concerned and scared every time the Dodgers... Uh, brought the time run to the plate or every time just one guy got on base I was like we're not that far away from the Dodgers taking the lead or tying this one up or making it a one-run game so could use a few more extra insurance runs going forward and once again just great defense Thomas tracked down some incredible balls in the outfield Christian Walker doing the splits at first base get that man another gold glove this game had me screaming the whole time I could barely talk now, but it was incredible to watch. It was another clean game for the D-backs from start to finish, and now they are they are 5-0, and they are headed to the NLCS. And now we're going to be talking about what really worked for the D-backs in their sweep against the LA Dodgers. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Jace Medical. Because everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XMF and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about what worked for the D-backs in their sweep against the LA Dodgers because, guys, I'm going to go into work tomorrow. 
and I'm going to get crazy on any Dodgers fan in my office because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've been really humble during this series after the D, after the D-backs game one trouncing against Clint Kershaw, after them going up 2-0 in LA. I've been humble. I've been quiet. I've been telling all the Dodgers fans in my office, look, the series isn't over until it's over. Like the Kobe Bryant quote that we've been saying all week, the job is not finished. There's nothing to be happy about until the job is finished. And now that the job is finished, I'm going to go into my office tomorrow. I'm talking hella trash. I'm talking hella crap. I'm looking people in the eyes. I'm saying things I shouldn't say. And I'm going to be talking down on the LA Dodgers because this was an all-time upset, an all-time joke job. And the Dodgers deserve to be ridiculed for another postseason failure. And I'm done being humbled. I'm done being humble about the D-backs because now that the series is over, it's time to talk some trash to those Dodgers fans because the Dodgers sucked. And let's talk about what worked so well against the LA Dodgers. The first thing, the D-backs struck first every game, right? You look at the first game against Clint Kershaw, they put a shock into the Dodgers system by them getting five runs off Kershaw, six runs total in the first inning. That was the first shock. In the second game, they did it to Bobby Miller, three runs in the first inning, and it felt like deja vu for game, from game one. Now they were only able to get half the runs in the first inning that they got in game one, but still they were able to use that to cruise all the way to the end of the game. And then in game three, <clears throat> excuse me, in game three, see my voice is starting to fail me now. Yeah, they didn't get runs in the first two innings of the ball game, but then they woke up in the third, four home runs to take a 4-0 lead before the Dodgers even score. This Dodgers team has been incredible at scoring runs all season. I believe they were first in the National League in scoring runs. They were elite at scoring runs first. Also, great stats in the first inning. And in this series, the D-backs, the Snakes, were better at striking first. And I don't think we should be surprised. One thing that maybe we should be surprised about, how about this? Excuse me. Tori Lovello was really good. Tori Lovello is someone that I've had a very up-and-down relationship with throughout his tenure with the Arizona Diamondbacks. There have been times where I'm like, why are you playing that guy? Today, I know about the platoon splits, but that guy just isn't good. Why are you playing that guy at the bottom of the lineup? Why are you pulling him out the pen right now? Like There have been times where I'm just questioning decision after decision by Tori Lovello, both in-game, pre-game, the development I've had a lot of question marks with Tori Lovello during his tenure with the Arizona Diamondbacks, even points this regular season. But during this postseason, I have to say, I've been really impressed with Tori Lovello and the pulse that he's had on this team. He's not messed around with the Brendan Fots of the world. When that guy gets in trouble, if he sees trouble coming, Tori Lovello is pulling him right away. He, uh, he lets his true starters, the Merrill Kellys and the Zach Gallons, work their way through the problems for the most part. But if he does see trouble coming on the horizon, like he saw with Zach Gallen and his game to start that third time through the lineup, he wasn't afraid to pull him. Felt like he made, I felt like he pushed the right buttons when it came to the bullpen. And honestly, what Tori Lovello did the best in this series, which is something that I always preach that he needs to do more of, just play your best players. I know it seems like a crazy philosophy, right? 
playing your best guys, but a lot of times Troy Lovello just went with the analytics, just looked at the platoon splits, or just said, you know what, we don't even need the platoon splits. I know a righty versus lefty is the best combination in baseball, and I think in this series, he was like, Evan Longoria, you're a veteran. You're just going to stay in the lineup. Ryan Thompson, Kevin Ginko, Paul Sewald, you're our best. Seven, eight, and nine. We're going to go to you every time through the pen. He kept the lineup pretty much consistent throughout. Uh, I liked how early he pulled his starters when he felt like trouble was coming, felt like he had the right moves in the bullpen. I thought this has been the best managerial uh, coaching that I've ever seen from Toy Lovello through the postseason, and I've been really surprised and really glad to see Toy Lovello really buttoned up and really keeping his team motivated. I mean, we look at this D-backs team, you look at the way that they're playing, I think a lot of that has to be attributed to Tori Lovello. So I do want to give Tori Lovello his flowers for how good he's been this postseason. Um, shut down the top of the order. That's a, been a big one for why this Dodgers team did not score. A lot of people say this Dodgers offense goes as Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts go. And those two guys did diddly squat in this series. Freddie Freeman had one hit. And that was only because he was able to beat Zach Gallen to first base. Mookie Betts was over in this series. Those two guys are quite literally going to finish second and third in MVP voting. And listen, I know the narrative coming out of this postseason series for Dodgers fans is going to be, Oh, we had too much rest. We won too many regular season games, and so we had to get a first round bye and sit at home. <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses. I don't want to hear it. The D-backs could have gotten hurt by playing more games early. Like, yeah, you might have gotten a little rusty, but I also think it helps to get all your players healthy, get them rested, and make sure that they're not fatigued entering the postseason. I think a lot of teams would prefer a first-round bye over playing earlier in the postseason. I mean, all your pitchers' arms are going to be that much fresher, so I don't want to hear any excuses about a team complaining that they had too much rest time because they won too many regular season games. Like, just miss me with that. Um, How about this? D-backs got contributions from up and down their lineup. You just look at the box score from game to game, and you look at the bottom of the lineup from the Morenos, the Perdomos, the Thomases. There was always someone coming through in the clutch for this D-backs team, and that's just really important. Depth in your lineup is so important to the when you get to the postseason because you go back, you look at a lot of those World Series MVPs, it's not the Mookie Betts of the world, right? It's not the Mike Trout's of the world. A lot of times, it is the Steve Pierce's of the world or like the Eddie Rosario's of the world. It's those complimentary, supplementary pieces on your roster, those second and third tier guys that just round out your team, the quality major leaguers that no one writes articles about, the, the really good major leaguers that no one puts on the graphics, no one talks about in their stories, no one does the highlight videos for those are the guys that typically win postseason games. And for the D-backs, Alec Thomas, game three, I mean, he had two hits. You have Perdomo at the bottom of the lineup. He had a home run. We know other guys throughout this series, you look at the bottom of the lineup, they put in work. This D-backs team, the length, the depth of the lineup has been so important. And it's been one of the reasons why they've been able to get so much offensive production. D-backs also... 
another thing that they did in the series, they really didn't make too many mistakes. Yeah, they might have got caught stealing once or twice, but there's really no egregious base running mistakes. There's no ball hit down the line where someone tried to go from first to home and get thrown out and just cost the D-backs a run. Like, you really didn't see that. You really didn't see, like, an egregious error defensively. Like, Ryan Thompson had that one error, and again, I think it was a little BS. So, for the most part, I thought this was a super clean D-back series. I did not think that they made a lot of mistakes, and they did not shoot themselves in the foot at all. And then the final thing that I thought the D-backs had a lot of that helped them in this postseason series against the Dodgers was confidence. They were never afraid, despite the history between these two teams, despite the Dodgers and their payroll and their stars and their expectations for what that team is supposed to be. This D-backs team, with what their expectations were, what their payroll was, their lack of experience, the D-backs did not care at all. They steamrolled the Dodgers in L.A. They steamrolled them at home, and now they're headed to the NLCS I'm riding with this D-backs team all the way, and you better hop on the bandwagon too. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. We'll be back for the final podcast of the week. We'll be talking about the next D-backs series versus whoever opponent they play. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe. Stay healthy. Doses.